don't you get all hooked up here? Not really a stranger, though he is strange. <laughs> but, and I say this in all sincerity, I love him. He's a great friend, and he's a man of God. And thank God for his family, because I love my wife. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, but Dean and I have had a good contact ever since God put us, to, abused us and stuck us together back at Bible College. But uh, I want you to listen to the man of God tonight. Let God have his way. Amen. Love you, brother. I don't have anything else nice to say about him, so uh, I'll wait <laughs> to figure this one out. I beat that thing all up for you, didn't I? Amen. Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. Take your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews in the 11th chapter. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read one verse. In verse 21. I have, the Lord has put me with Jacob, the last three or four months, and God put me at the end of his journey and started in chapter 31, going through chapter 35. God was sanctifying him and getting him fit for heaven. There are four things buried at Bethel. There are four burials in Bethel, and I'm not going to preach that message tonight. But in Genesis 35, Bethel became El Bethel. And God, I believe, wants to take every one of His believers, and He has to start us at God's house. Do you remember the night that Bethel happened to you? You were running. Jacob was running. A staff for his possessions. And a stone for his pillow. And without any invitation, without any initiation, God just dropped a ladder down from glory. And one of the old Puritan writers I studied behind said, Everybody's Bethel's, God will drop that ladder from glory. And there will be a place in your journey where eternity and earth merged. God connected it. And Bethel takes you in an upward direction. There's a ladder that comes down so you can go up. But 20 years later, God wanted him to have more than... Being plugged into God's house. 
God wanted him to be plugged into God himself. And El Bethel, the God of the house of God. And when Bethel came, there was a ladder that took him up. But when El Bethel came, there was a shovel that took him down. There's a downward direction. And Bethel takes you up. But El Bethel, when that comes, when you go from being plugged into God's house, the elementary thing, the beginning thing, to being plugged into God Himself, you're going to go downward for a while. He's going to take a chapter out of your life and bury everything that's got you attached to her. And if the Lord... Well, that, that's a great message that the Lord can help us with. But I've burdened to come to the very last thought that I've had in my study. And that's when he was a dying. <laughs> Ooh, we, I'm going to pop some happy bubbles in here. I can smell them come a whole case of them. Hebrews 11, verse 21. And this will be the Lord tonight. My brain is somewhere. I was in South Georgia preaching Friday night in the funeral in Alabama Saturday. Preached youth, uh, preached a Pigeon River Revival Friday morning in Maryland yesterday. And I ain't sure where I'm at tonight. I know you're my brother-in-law and that's my sister. I know these guys from North Carolina, and that makes them weird. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to see Brother Lane. Just so I could hear him say bear again. Bear. Bear. Somehow that he took the word bear and made it a four-syllable word <laughs> last year. They have different kind of bars over there in North Carolina, I guess. I've seen bears. But that, they got four-syllable bears in North Carolina. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? It is a joy to see Brother Kiever, too, isn't it? I thank God for our, our Moseses and our Elijahs. And Brother Danny Williams has been that in my life too. And it's a, always a, my pleasure to be with him. And uh, it's this, this, God's going to help us this week. He's going to help us this week. Hebrews eleven twenty one. Our Father, would you help us tonight? Thank you, Lord, for all that you've ever done for us and in us and with us and through us. Now, Lord, we come to this text and ask you, Lord God, to breathe on it. I can't preach. There ain't a man in here that can preach. Not in our own abilities, not in our own wisdom. Absolutely no way. Couldn't even start. But, oh God, this is your business. This is Holy Ghost business. Lord, you'll have to take tonight and breathe on us. Or it'll be just so much religion like all the other denominations. It'll just be sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. But God, if you breathe on us tonight, 
Lord, folk could get past their religion and find their Savior. Now, Lord, help me to be a help for a little while. And I love you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people say it. Hebrews 11:21. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. I imagine he is glad he had something to lean on while he's dying. Jacob had something to lean on while he's dying. And so do I. I was preaching a revival in one of the worst churches I've been in all year, but it turned into one of the best meetings that I've had. God don't ask our opinions about what we think about things. He sure ain't asked a bunch of preachers what they thought about anything. And you might want to get over worried about what they think about it too. I was in one of the worst churches having one of the best meetings. (laughs) And I wasn't even confused about it. I'm amazed that God come by my part of the horrible pit and never dug me out of it. He shouldn't have ever touched me. He shouldn't have ever blessed me. He shouldn't have even been looking for me, much less done something for me when he found me. I was in a little old liberal messed up church with a little goofy pastor. But there was two or three saints hanging around there. In the name of the church, <laughs> this will go on the internet, that's going to be awkward, was... Perennial Springs Baptist Church. And I was going down the last night, and the Holy Ghost told me when the thing started, I'm going to do a work here. And one of my preacher boys had just given me an MP3 player. I hate technology. I never could make Pac-Man get away from the gobbly ghost. In the early 80s, and I gave up on computers before they ever got started. I was in evangelism five years, living on the road before I got a cell phone. I'd go home once a month and mash that button, you know. Got me an MP3 player, and I listened to BB Caldwell, Brother Dana. And I was pulling up in the church property, and he said, "I tell you what, we need." We need a perennial revival. (laughs) When's the last time have y'all ever used the word perennial for anything? (laughs) Maybe the granny that does the flowers, there's perennials or something. (laughs) Ain't nobody ever used the word perennial with me, and if you would have, I'd have thought you'd been funny. (laughs) That could be one of them funny words. I ain't sure what it means. Turned out it means everlasting and eternal. I like to fell over, Brother Lane. God done burned my heart and said, This ain't no little old three night shotgun meeting. I took it in and put it for that liberal outfit. 
So they know it wasn't me. It was God. I said, let's tell you all what God just told me. <laughs> the old high tech boy back there got it all plugged in. B.B. Caldwell, we need a perennial revival. And they went to shouting and weeping. And people still getting saved. <laughs> While I was preaching there, I got off on some of these goofy people that got number three in the back of their windshield. Now, y'all may not care about NASCAR out here in Colorado, but in the South. And uh, I was just talking about having the right kind of hero and quit being goofy. And turned out the treasurer, who's also chairman of the deacons and the announcement giver, <laughs> he was all kind of things. If you only knew. He had a big number three on there. So he felt compelled to come talk to me after the service. Well, what he didn't know is I ain't never been a baby-kissing, grandma-hugging preacher. I just, and, I, and I feel meaner after I preach than before. He's been shoving around them little old sissy ministers for 40 years. He, come, he said, I got a number. Th- I said, before you finish the sentence. I said, I'll get a razor blade and help you get that junk off if you want to. I was just... And I, he said, uh, no, 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 no. He said, he said, he is my racing hero, not my life hero. I said, we'll work on that. But he told me an interesting story. He said, I was in the skybox the morning Dale Earnhardt Sr. crashed in the wall and died. He said, I was wearing a headset. And I heard his last words. He said, I got, a, I got his autograph that morning. Brother Bobby, that, that'd probably pay off our credit cards on eBay. An autograph from the morning of. And he said, Preacher, I wanted to tell you. He said, I was sitting by the crew chief wearing a headset and I heard the man's last word as he slammed into the wall. Went out into eternity. And he said, I can't say it and I can't tell y'all what it was. But he screamed out and cursed the name of God. He blasphemed God's name. He blasphemed God's name and snapped his neck and went out into eternity. I don't care what you have in this world. If you don't leave it right, if you don't leave it saved, who cares if half of America puts your number on the back windshield? But I can tell you how our Papa Bell died. The old mountain preacher. Doesn't Brother Kiever look like him, Alicia? And got the same spirit he's got. And probably Sister Esther's daddy. My old, our old papa was the 82 or 83, curled up in that fetal position on that little old bed. Built his house for $450 when he got out of World War II in 1948. Our step-granny's still living there. Tonight. People used to know how to build something. That'd be another sermon right there. And I drove up from Florida, the little church us pastor, and I knelt down over him, and Uncle Randy said he hadn't said anything in two weeks. 
I got in his ear, Brother Dane, and hollered. I said, it's your eldest grandson, Dean. I'm here. I've come to see you. Started muttering. Started mumbling. I put my ear down to his mouth, and he was saying one thing, and he was saying it over and over, Brother Ernie, Brother Childers. He was saying, he's going to see me through. He's going to see me through. I went to Pleasant Grove Baptist Church, preached homecoming Sunday at the church where his old pastor buried him. And a little old white-haired lady came up and she had her Bible open, had her hair up in the bun. One of them old-timey shouting grannies. Can I get a witness? Wouldn't know what to do with a contemporary song. Flush it or burn it. I mean, that's your two options right there. You shouldn't ask me to preach with jet lag. She said, I'm going to show you what your papa preached last time he ever preached. She said he preached this message and got sick, never come back to church, and then he died. And over in Mark 4, I had her underlined, Brother Kiever, Jesus told the disciples to get in the ship. And it was underlined in them red words and had that John Bell out next to it and had the date and said, let us pass over under the other side. I'll talk to you a little while on how to worship while you're dying. And I got me a King James Bible for some weird reason. I'm a country boy, but I can understand all the words. Ain't that weird? It's so weird. I didn't struggle with none of them. By faith, Jacob. What's when he was a dying? They ain't in trouble with none of that. By the way, that, that is a King James Bible. And I know there's some nuts who just holler King James and don't know King Jesus. I've been around some of them. But I also know Satan's flooded the market with his own Bibles because he don't like the blood. And he don't like the Lord Jesus. And he don't like that sword. And I just want to point this out. On one hand, they say we're a bunch of crippled-minded, mental weaklings. And then on the other turn, I said our book is so smart, couldn't any of them understand it, and they got to water it, read it down. And How can we be that dumb and our book's so smart that they can't? That book ain't meant for your head. That book's meant for your heart. That book ain't even meant for you to understand. It's meant for you to believe. That book ain't trying to give you answers. That book's trying to give you anchors. You don't need a hush about always asking God for answers. He ain't going to tell you no answers. You don't need no answers. You wouldn't understand the answer if he told you. Job got over there. That's the strangest book to me. Job's on earth saying, 
What's wrong with me? God's against me. God's in heaven saying he's the best one I got. And off, and off. Take this off a of Methodist and put it on Church of God. All that Job did the whole book was ask questions, and God never answered him one time. And it wasn't if there's a problem. God's in it. He's the best one I got. That's my boy. And when the Lord finally came, he come and answered Job out of the whirlwind, and he gave him 77 questions. Strange book to me, he's in heaven. He's the best I got. Just a minute, I go go talk to him. Sit down, son. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you 77 questions to be exact. Where were you? You want, you want to run this thing? You want to know what's going on? Where were you? When I laid the foundations of this world. 77 questions and all that it meant was, I got this. You Relax, I got it. <laughs> Some W's. I want you to underline, just stay in this verse. Underline the word faith. By faith. And I want to say this. I'll tell you how you can worship while you're dying. If you've got a word to lean on. I'm going to say this, and I don't want us fussing about it. I don't want to spend more than 10 seconds here. I believe, these older preachers can help me with this, I believe the Bible definition of faith, this is going to sound cliche and shallow, but it ain't. It's as theologically sound and as thought out as anything ever has been. Faith is believing what God said. You help me with that, Brother Kiever, if I need to improve on that a little bit. Faith is believing what God said. It's believing the Word of God. It's taking God at His Word. And every one of these faith boys in this chapter had one thing in common. They had heard from God and they trusted Him. And verse 13 said these all died in faith. They believed God. He wouldn't even do for them what He said He's going to do for them in their lifetime. Bunch of them, God never did it in their lifetime. And they believed their one promise so good that they died believing it. I, I say that some New Testament saints need some Old Testament faith. We got a Bible, how many verses? How many promises? We got pastors. We've got evangelists. We've got churches. We got CD, cassette tape. We can go on the intranet. 
You ought to do that. You can, at, honey, we got Christian friends. We got music. We got we got promises. We're drowning in promises. We just ain't got no faith. God would visit them Old Testament boys usually once. Maybe some of them got a confirmation like a decade or two later. Some of them never even got a confirmation. <laughs> got to come by one time. Tell them one thing. They'd live on that. They'd die on that. They'd, they'd war on that. They'd, they'd persevere in that. And, and then God didn't even have to do it. By faith! He had a word to lean on. When that ladder dropped down, is that 28 or 27? I think it's chapter 28 of Genesis. That boy was a running from his sin. And that ladder dropped down in front of him. God stood on the top of it and swore some things to him. <laughs> now I can smell some of y'all running around some of these boys that put a lot of emphasis on their works. I can just smell it on some of you. Rather nauseating, to be honest with you. Anywhere you emphasize works, you de-emphasize grace. Last time I checked, it's all by grace. God stood on the top of that ladder and swore some things to Him. <laughs> That's what He was shouting about when He was dying. And I'm going to tell you all something. The night He dropped that ladder down in front of me, he swore some things to me on the grave of his own son. He had a word to lean on while he's dying. And so did my papa. And so do I. Number two, underline this. By faith, Jacob. Underline this. When he was a dying, underline the word dying. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying. You know what dying does for me and you? It, it causes us to trade worlds. Dying will move you from your old world to a new world. Y'all don't make me preach that out now. Just act like you got it. God's been working real hard on killing some of you. You got about a month, come out here and sit down, and I'll tell you how, about how he works on killing me. It was Joe Parsons who I listened to, said, and some of them trips over to your place, Brother Ernie, that early morning fog on Highway 72, the Lord telling me stuff. I would tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Because it was stuff when he told me, he said, now, I'll have to kill you. He said, every time there's a baptism in that Bible, they traded worlds. Every time God's people went into a body of water, they left the old wicked world and went into a new promised world. And I mean the, the baptism whereby you got saved in. That Romans 6 baptism. 
don't be running no Baptist brides in front of me out here out west wanting to tell me that's a water baptism by a physical man. You just shouldn't have put me up here with jet lags, huh? The only thing water baptism is a picture of a spiritual baptism that took place. Every doctrine that gets goofy gets goofy on baptism. Roman Catholics. Church of Christ. Charismatics. I got one little quote for you. The apostle to the Gentiles, the one preacher that was sent to the church, they said, Christ sent me not to baptize. I'd say that just pulled the plug out of your tube. Every time they went into a body of water and headed out, they were trading worlds. That's how you got saved. Holy Ghost picked you up in your old world, buried you in Christ, and raised you up in a new creature, walking in newness of life. When he was a dying. You want to know how Jacob could worship while he's dying? He had another world to lean on. He was leaving this one. But there's another and so big to him. He just said, I I believe in this world. But I think I'm going to shout a little while. Because he had another world to lean on. Our grandma, our daddy's mama's got Alzheimer's and she's... Our cousin kept her as long as they could before it got too dangerous and... All that our grandma done, and that sweet little old woman, married to that drunkard, living in a hellacious life, and carried them four youngins down to the house of God and carried them through hell. Probably no doubt why all of us McNeese kids are in full-time ministry. And not one liberal out of the six. Usually, you know, it's amazing to hear everybody's in the ministry, but somebody's going to be goofy in some liberal thing. Not even a liberal in the bunch. We'd shove them off a tall building if they was. All she does now is her mind's left her. And all she does is put on dresses and coats to go to church. That's all she does. And the other night, Brother Ernie, y'all going to learn to love our friend Brother Ernie. He's... Old friend from Alabama. She got out in the driveway at 3 o'clock in the morning and Mitch went out there. What are you doing, Grandma? She had on three dresses and two coats. <laughs> she said, I'm going to the meeting. She said, they're right over there. She said, there's Mama. Mitch, there's Papa. Mitch is a preacher too. You can't be in our family without being saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. Had too many soldiers back there that did shed blood. You've not yet resisted unto blood, but I had some forefathers that did. Now I can take you back when hell's trying to take me and her down. But there's a good Holy Ghost and there's, there's some forefathers done went behind the barn made a covenant with Jehovah. 
and them grandkids, great grand, them great great grandkids couldn't go to hell. <laughs> and she told me, she said, "There's the Lord Jesus." <laughs> I just trying to get over there. Some of y'all think you get your hair cut and get you dressed long and hand out a Bible track, think you're ready. If you ain't never been in love with that world, if you ain't never moved over in that, if, if you ain't never had a rep, if you ain't tied into that world, if you don't try to get over in that world, in that throne room, I think it'd be good if your hair and your dress looked right and all that stuff, but I got news for you. That so quickly becomes religion because we lean on all that stuff that we can do. You ever get a look at that world? You'll understand I am nothing. I can do nothing. I'm worth nothing! I don't know how God did this. I don't know why God did this, but He shut me up in that throne room as a little boy. I done stood in that world and tasted that world and looked around in that world. And I just can't get along with a bunch of modernist liberals, contemporaries, easy believers, Baptist writers, soul winners, Catholics, charismatics, or liberals. If I can think of anything else, I'd tell you I'm sick of that too. You ever get plugged into Jesus and plugged into God and plugged into eternity? Honey, you'd see that it's all about Him. The more I learn and think I know, the bigger problem I become in my ministry. Get back to that first love and that childlike faith where it just... God's right there. I know you can't see him, but it's better than that. See, he's, he had another world. He could lean on while he's a dying. What's the next line? He blessed both the sons of Joseph. Underline that word, Joseph. Now I'm going to need you all to help me right here. If you're kin to Dutch Reformed Presbyterians of the Anglican sect, I need you to get over it. Now, I mean, I mean, get ready to let your happy bubbles loose. You got to help me with this. I ain't got time to go find a soul choir to back me up. Y'all got to help me with this. I ain't got time to take an iron teach Sunday school. I just need you to get it. Was Joseph his favorite son? That Kodamit was Joseph was Joseph not the biggest type of Christ in the Old Testament? I don't know one more. Was he not that son with all of heaven's call and heaven's t- was he not the son that was had the prophecies on him and the promises of, was he not that son God put a heavenly vi- was he not that son that God that the Father sent to the brethren that hated him? And they made as if they'd killed him. And for a while, Jacob thought he was dead, but he, he wasn't dead, even though he was down in the earth between two thieves. But it turned out before the story was done, they found out he wasn't dead, but he was alive. Not only was he alive, 
when they brought him up out of that dungeon, they changed his garments and shaved his beard and set him up over the whole land, I'm telling you. And Jacob got to spend those last years with that son. He had a wonderful son to lean on while he's a dying. And so do I. It's the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David. He had a wonderful son to lean on while he's dying. And can I say this? You can lean on that wonderful son while you're living. If y'all want, he's there. May have been Brother Dana, may have been Brother Ralph. In my preacher boy years, and I'm still sort of there, but back in them early preacher boy years, one of them said, that Psalm 23 ain't for dying. It's for living. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my in. You can lean on that wonderful sun while you're living. As well as while you're dying. Dad pastored in the foothills of Tennessee. I was 13. I guess Alicia was about 14 and a half. She's always been older than me. We lived right up the road, Sam and Della Young, old-timey Tennessee hillbilly people. Old-timey. She was, I think, 83 and still mowed, the, and it was all hill with rocks. And she still mowed with one of them old... I'm going to need some help here. There was no engine on it. It was a <laughs> razor blade. Somebody tell me what I'm talking about. None of y'all know what you're talking about either. That's as bad as the Corinth church. I mean, everybody. She'd get out there. Sam had two oxen. I'm going to need some of you ranchers to help me now. I think 22 hands high. Does that make sense? They won the blue ribbon every year at the state fair, that team of oxen. He was a deacon down at the Bon Arges Baptist Church. It's a Bible name, but nobody ever knew what it meant. It just sounded better than that. If I have another boy, I'm going to name him Bonarges. He'll have to be a preacher or a prophet. One of the other. He died. They were precious saints. Me and Jason and Chad and Jonathan used to walk up there. And she had one of them old cast iron stoves and there'd be a Iron skillet with crackling cornbread in it. Be another iron skillet with peach cobbler in it. We want all you health nuts in Colorado to know. Get your mountain bikes and granola bars and, and kill yourself early if you skinniness is a condition. God will help you with that. If you ask him. He may be merciful. Maybe. 
I got on that plane in Atlanta and you could smell the barbecue sauce coming off everybody. Everybody was fat and happy with a hairdo and makeup. I got on the plane to Denver. People are like eating seeds. One family had a bag of grass. Get your eat your grass. Everybody's gaunt. They were gaunt. They were gaunt. Drawn. Nobody was smiling. They knew they wasn't going to get to eat nothing that day. Nobody's smiling. Everybody's getting ready to exercise. They were all miserable. I just got in the middle of it. doggy! What y'all got to eat out there in Colorado? She had that cobbler and that crackling cornbread up there. Gaunt. God help y'all. This air is a little too thin. Y'all are thinking it's good to not eat. Read your Old Testament. Fat is a blessing. It's the Bible. When he judged the nation, he sent leanness to the body. I don't even want to fuss with you. I don't even want to talk to you. Anyhow. She had all of that. And the only television we ever watched growing up was we'd watch Bob Barker, The Price is Right. With a, that's where I learned to give an altar call. I said, come on down. <laughs> First three years I pastored, Brother Lane, I thought people needed to do something when they got there so I could give them something. <laughs> so I got half my shout. Said, come on down. <laughs> Woo! Old Sam died and went on to glory. And we never even knocked on the door. We come in that back screened-in screen porch. I'm going to really try you now. Sister Esther, she had string beans hanging up on a clothesline. Leather breeches? Is that what they call Mm-hmm. I couldn't go contemporary, son. Sister Young come back and haunt me. I come in that back door and I heard sobbing. She was crying. He'd only been dead about two weeks. I was so young and dumb. I just walked in the kitchen. And she had a little black cassette tape player. And it was her and Sam. The last time they'd sung in church. I'm talking about a wonderful son to lean on. And I stood in the kitchen with a Bible with her. And a resurrected Savior, me and Jesus, and Sister Young. I'd just been called to preach. She was, and here's what they were singing. And someday when I've traveled my last. <laughs> Mile here, the call will be coming for me. I'll enter the lifeboat that will be near to carry me over the sea. And he'll hold my hand, them nail-scarred hands. As over death's river I go, 
and then safe I'll be in beautiful heaven. Uh, do you know heaven ain't beautiful to most safe people these days? That's why they go to these big liberal churches because they don't even talk about heaven there. But I want to go to a church where the ladder's dropped. A place where earth and eternity is merged. Why do you think that man has this meeting and brings in men like this? I've put myself the years of my life, Brother Lane. I commend you for staying with your pastor these 30-something years. I've put myself in the front of these men and down at the foot of these men. Men who've got a ladder hanging in front of them. Honey, I want to go to church where that ladder's dropped down. God's standing on top of it. Angels going back and forth. Announcements and assurances coming out. Christ came down that ladder one day. Took your sin all the way to Calvary's cross. That last verse said, My bark shall sail safely Though the waves dash high For Jesus will be at my side He'll still the rough waters When by and by I'm crossing that river so wide One of our preacher friends from Roanoke, Alabama told me what that bark was. Old Brother Bud studied out them old ship, the days of the old-timey ships. And he said that bark was the little boat. When the big boat, when the big ship come up to the shore, it couldn't go all the way in because that's where the rocks and the waves would tear it. And said that, I'm going to need you all to help me, right? The captain himself would lower the little boat and tell the rest of them, Y'all just wait right here. I'm taking one on to the shore. And they said the captain himself did it because he wouldn't let nobody else do it. He said, that's the most dangerous part of the journey. <laughs> Don't you know that's where the devil loved to take some of these old saints and old soldiers and beat the snot out of them and try to drag them off it? Oh, no. The captain said he'd take them. And he'd tell them this is, the, this is the roughest water and the most dangerous rocks. And I personally believe, I personally believe on every pastor and true servant of God, if you're a real servant of God, you're going through hell backwards in these days. I think we're at the end. I think we're at the end. I think we're at the very end. I have never felt that way. This year, I've troubled in my spirit. Never have been. And I feel like we're at the end. And every good man and woman of God I know is going through hell backwards. Isaiah 25 said there'll be a time when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. What he said. And that's where we're at in this hour. And I believe I believe the big boat sailed on. 
She's emptied out. There, wasn't, there was just a handful left in it. That's Bible. There'd be few when it come time. And he just put them few. <laughs> he put them few in a little boat. And we're in the hardest, roughest water we've ever been in. Did y'all see the tornadoes come through uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia? That back just two months ago, not even quite. At my camp meeting there in Ringgold, we had a young couple on Monday night who came. F4, over a mile wide, come through Cherokee Valley outside of Ringgold, Georgia. One subdivision in particular took the very carpet off the concrete. There was nothing left. I drove over and got in there the next day. Told them I was a preacher. They wouldn't let nobody in. I told them I was a preacher. That wasn't enough. I said, I'm here to help the black church, and they let me in. And I went over in there. The carpet yanked off the very concrete, nothing but blast. People killed all over that valley. You know what they told me, Brother Dana? They're reporting only eight dead. I knew that was nearly impossible. I said, no, 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 no. Fireman told us last week, said there's 78 missing and unaccounted for. To report a dead, they have to be able to identify you and fill out a death certificate. And there's only eight that they could identify. There's a young man and his wife, Christians. I don't even think they're good Christians. But their mom is. <laughs> and I watched her when her husband left her about seven years ago with five kids. And I watched her instead of bail out, she dug in. <laughs> she dug in. And all she does now is serve her Jesus and serve her pastor and serve her church. And I talked to the mama. She said, I was praying. I said, God was listening. She said, He always listens to me. <laughs> she said, we got real close about seven years ago. She said, my husband walked out, but my Jesus walked in. I told that boy, I said, boy, your mama's prayers kept you. They were on the front porch. Saw that monster coming. He took his little wife. They went inside that little old house and they stood against the wall. Held hands. He said, I prayed about twice. He said, I knew God heard me and I quit praying. She said, I never quit praying the whole time. preacher. That's the difference sometimes in a man and a woman. It really is. She said, I never quit praying. He said, we was, I said, tell me what it sounded like, son. He said, I can't. He said, it was louder than a sound. He said, the whole earth was vibrating. It was deafening. He said, but I could tell you what 10,000 trees sound like being ripped up out of the roots all at the same time. He said, I'd, I'll never get over it. He said, I had her against the wall and said, the Holy Ghost told me, get her off the wall. He said, I took her off the wall and embraced her in a central heat and air unit busted through the wall. Through the living room and out the next wall. He said, then the roof went, and then our house went, 
And he said, we went with it. They were in the air in the tornado. He said, I never let go of her. She's a tall, slender, blonde-haired girl. She said, he never let go of me. He said, I never let her go. And she said, he didn't. He said, we held each other the whole storm. He said, we were in there. He said, I can't tell you none of it. He said, I just know we we was up there with everything else. And he said, I cried out to God, holding my bride. He said, I can't take this anymore. And he said, we were shot out of the storm. Landed on the paved road. He said, landed on my back. He said, I cushioned the fall. He said, landed on my back and I still holding her. And he said, we stood up and held hands and watched the storm go over the mountain. He had a stick sticking out of his head, which I thought was the neatest thing. He had a stick. It looked like he was a half human, half reindeer. I thought it was great. He had a stick. It was one inch. I'd have never took that off. <laughs> Do y'all know what kind of living you could have made? I was abducted by reindeer aliens. <laughs> she had a nail sticking out of her knee. She said it didn't hurt. And she said, I, she said, I, and she was, she's crazy like me. She said, I was going to leave it in there. And my sister yanked it out. And I thought about he held her the whole time. And here's what he told me. He said, it tore my back up when we landed. said, but that's what I wanted. I wanted her to be safe. Do I have to preach that to you, bunch of... Our Savior took me off the wall one day. Right about time Satan come through. And he held me. He held me through the storm and he held me on the cross. It tore his back up and it saved my life. We have a wonderful son to lean on while we're dying. I'm going to close now. There's two more. Underline that word worship. He had a worship to lean on while he's dying. He'd done bad before God and poured his offering out and poured out the wine and poured out the oil on that rock and promised God, I'll give you a tithe of all I got. He's already a worshiper. Brother Dana said something years ago when I hung on to it. He said, you're, you're going to die just about like you live. However you live, that's how you'll die. If you live your life stubborn and contrary and fighting, you're going to have a difficult, hard death. But child of God, if you live your life submissive and sweet and broken, guess what? I think I know how it's going to go for you. If you were merciful to others, I think He'll be merciful to you. He worshipped. That's why God's got this meeting in here. He'd like for some of y'all to build some altars this week and just yeah. give, give him everything you got. Yeah. And then the last one, I want you to underline that word staff. Leaning 
upon the top of his staff. He had a walking stick to lean on while he was a dying. And so do I. It's called the cross. Zechariah 3 and Zechariah 6 said Christ is the branch. (laughs) Every time he leaned on that staff, he remembered the night that God broke him. Every every time he leaned on that staff, he remembered the night God changed his name. Every time he leaned on that staff to take us, he remembered we're running on God's strength now. That was a good day when he took my strength from me. Every time he took a step with that staff, he remembered the night that God broke him. I'm going to say this in closing. Do you know probably the worst thing that ever happened to you is absolutely probably the best thing that ever happened to you? Water seeks the lowest level, and so does the grace of God. And when God comes by your way with that well of grace, and He pours it out, I guess where it goes to? It goes to the worst thing that ever happened, the worst sin you ever committed, the worst thoughts you ever thought, the worst crime, the worst atrocity that ever come your way, the worst thing ever happened to you. I'm pretty sure if you ever get, let the grace of God get a hold of you, it'll be the best thing. And that worst thing, he down there and died said, held that stick. Whoa! That night God come and body slammed me and wrestled me. That's why I'm a worshiping man. What do y'all think is the worst thing ever happened on this planet? I'd have to say it's the cross. All of man's sin punished and put on God's precious right. pure son. You say, what about, what about what happened to me? What happened to you was put on him. And what happened to the fellow sitting next to you was put on him. He took all of that. It's the worst thing ever happened on this planet. Now I'm going to ask you another question. What do you all think was the most wonderful thing <laughs> that ever happened on this planet? And the worst thing that God had to deal with is the very place where God poured His grace. And I don't care what you've done or what you've been or what's been done to you or how you've been treated or how you treated somebody. A lot of folk can't get over what they've done to other people. When you were mean or when you were drunk or when you were in a heat of a moment. That's harder to get over what we've done to somebody than it ever is what somebody done to us. You know, my little boy hurt me the whole time he was growing up. He's seven. He'd accidentally kick me. They accidentally elbow me. He'd fall on me. Roll over in the middle of the night and give me a half-bloody nose. You know, I don't remember none of that. I remember he was two learning to walk, and we stand on the sidewalk, and I was daddy. He tripped over a little stick and fell and cried, and it was my fault because I was a daddy. 
He's a little old boy. And I fell and hurt himself because I wasn't doing a good job helping him. I ain't forgot that. And it's hard sometimes to get over what you've done to somebody. Well, don't you know that God took what you've done to somebody? What you've been. And He took it to Calvary. And God pounded him instead of me. And God looked at me while he's pounding his son and said, I'm doing this to him because I love you. And Jesus peeked out of that three hour of darkness at me and said, I'm doing this for you. Because my father loves you. And I love my father. And I love you too. And that staff is what you'll worship over. That's where He helped you. That's where He delivered you. He had a walking stick to lean on while He's a dad. Probably be a good way to start this meeting off real good on a Monday night. Find you a little place to pray. I preached this the other night. And the young pastor got up behind me and he said this. He said, I know Brother Dean preached on dying and he meant physical dying. He said, but the whole time God been wearing me out over here on asking me how come I don't worship while he's spiritually killing me. He said, God been killing me for two years. He said, all I do is whine. He said, God's told me tonight. I want you to start worship. Well, I'm putting you through your dying process. I want you to start worshiping. Our heads are bowed. Our pianist is coming. Wouldn't hurt us. I know we got preachers here and we got visitors here and we got, but we're all God's people. Why don't you find you a place to pray? That's right. Just find you. If you're here lost without Christ, why don't you get on your knees and call on Jesus? He sure died in that cross for you. Why don't you just make yourself a place to pray? Make yourself a place to pray. Oh, God. Just make yourself a place and call on His name. He knows where we're at. He knows what we are. Oh, my. Sister, you just play there whatever's on your heart. Somebody here may be lost without Christ. You better call on Jesus while you can. Some Christian, God's have been a killing you. Won't you start worshiping instead of whining?